Harmonious Clan Podcast, Sensory Processing Disorder Demystified Series, Episode 1. I really dig into what's under the water. So I see children's behavior as what's just the tip of the iceberg. And anything that's under the iceberg is is the, the reasons, the root cause for those behaviors. And when I when I look at children's behaviors and what it what it's gonna take to get them to really live out their max potential and really nurture them to be outstanding, I look at what's under the waterline. Many times a lot of behavior are in the way when your child's chaotic behaviors are running your life when you're struggling to find practical solutions and just when you feel you've reached the end of your rope there comes harmonious clan podcast equipping you with the proven practical strategies we've developed over the years through our own experiences to bring you strategies that give you results enabling you to nurture your child from outcast to outstanding and your clan from chaos to harmony. Hi, I'm Marco from Harmonious Clan. Welcome to our Sensory Processing Disorder Demystified series. This is episode one. In this episode, you'll discover what sensory processing disorder is. You'll learn the seven sensory integration areas and why overstimulation in some or all of these areas can cause behavior issues. You'll also hear a real life analogy to help you understand what it's like to have sensory processing disorder. Be sure to also listen to episode two where Louisa will discuss what you can do to help your child with sensory processing disorder thrive. Hi, I'm Louisa Kasham. I'm the author of Outcast Outstanding and I engineer outside-the-box solutions for outside-the-box children. Who are these children? Um, there could It could be a big range of children with um, some of the special needs, some don't have special needs, some are highly gifted, and it's just they're outside the box. The cookie cutter solutions don't really work for them. And I am actually an engineer. And because of that, and I have half a dozen kids myself, many of them, um, well, all of them are outside the box children. The typical solution don't really work for them. So because of that background, I really dig into what's under the water. So I see children's behavior as what's just the tip of the iceberg. And anything that's under the iceberg, is is the the reasons the root cause for those behaviors and when i when i look at children's behaviors and what it what it's going to take to get them to really live out their max potential and really nurture them to be outstanding i look at what's under the waterline many times a lot of behaviors are in the way and what's under the waterline is important for us to address before we can get to the behaviors as opposed to just looking at simple disciplines to apply. And today I want to share with you about what is sensory processing disorder. That seems to be a term that's pretty difficult to understand and it's very vague. Um, there's no real, it's, it hasn't made it to the formal medical diagnosis code. So it doesn't really exist as a real formal medical diagnosis. But uh, those of us who have children that have sensory processing disorder, we all know that and we know that it's real and it's there. So today I want to talk to you about what exactly it is and what the impact uh, what kinds of impact it has on your children. And next time, I'm going to talk to you about what to do, things that you could do on your own at home to help your children cope with um, all the difficulties that comes with it. So what is it? Um, let's. I want to talk about the symptoms first so you can see or maybe be able to 
tell if you think you have one of these children. So if you have、um, a child who has sensory processing disorder, they're usually e- easily agitated. They're also f- they have may have frequent meltdowns or tantrums.、Um, you just feel like they are more agitated and more sensitive than most other children. So things that other children wouldn't have a problem with,、um, somebody with sensory processing disorder would feel pretty uncomfortable about. And because they're children, they're easily agitated, and they will have meltdowns and tantrums. And also on the meltdown and tantrum side, because children all have that. But for children who have sensory processing disorder, it feels like the meltdowns and the tantrums are that much longer, are that much more, both in、uh, frequency, duration, and as well as intensity. Sometimes it can be pretty intense, and sometimes、um, I lived those years when I wondered if this is normal. And as it turned out,、uh, no, it's a little bit above. Of average of what average children would do.、Um, also, they get easily overwhelmed and they get easily overstimulated pretty quickly within an environment. And you can tell when my son was little, for example, as soon as we turn on the tele、uh, the TV、um, within the first two minutes, and this is. Back when he was two, you know, we we never use the TV very often at all. But once in a while, if we do turn it on,、um, suddenly he would、um, he would start he would just start a meltdown right there. Or sometimes he would suddenly push another his sibling down, and he'll start kicking his sibling. And it's just it was very odd. And now it makes all the sense that he was. Um, very easily stimulated. So just the act of just the TV alone. I mean, you don't realize how much visual stimulation that's putting in, and that that turns out to be a lot. So they get overstimulated, and when they get overstimulated, it usually ends up in a behavior problem of some sort. You can't really see it, but it, it's it's behaviorally. It's exhibiting behaviorally. Another problem with with another symptom is that they're easily distracted. They have trouble focusing. So if you see, in for example, in a classroom, there are kids who are sitting. They're very attentive、uh, to the teacher, and then there there are always those kids that are just a little fidgeting, moving about, spinning around their chair. I mean, doing other things, doing stuff with their fingers. They're fidgeting, and then they're also wobbling on the chairs. It, It seems like it's hard to sit down.、Um, it seems like they have very busy hands. They're always touching something, fidgeting with something,、uh, playing with something with their hands.、Um, but it also seems like、um, it seems like they're ants on their seats, and they just can't sit down. That's what they look like. They have difficulties focusing, and I'm going to explain to you why exactly why that is and what you can do about it.、Um, also, they're the the most typical thing is they're behaviorally challenging. Um, so a lot of times when we look at them, we may we when we don't understand what's going on under the waterline, we may just think that they're just misbehaved kids or they're just kids that are less well behaved. But、um, the reality of it is there are many many reasons internally. Um, internal to them that cause them that cause it to be very difficult for them to behave、um, the way you expect them to, and I will go on and explain to that too. But that's one of the symptoms.、Um, they also have difficulty switching between task and environment. So, for example,、uh, when when 
uh, one of my kids were little. I mean, just the simple switch from going to the playroom, we're playing to, well, let's go to sit down at the dining table to have dinner was already a too big of a switch. So a meltdown or a tantrum will happen in the process of that transition. Um, so sometimes one would look at children, oh, you know, he's having a meltdown or he just suddenly started kicking everything. We don't realize it, but there are triggers to it. And sometimes it is a transition. I mean, if you switch from one task to another, if we switch from one room to another, there are children who are so, so sensitive that if you switch from one room out of the house to another room of the house, it is hard for them already. They may have some behavior issues. Um, they may have some agitation showing up just from that switch or even from task to task. I mean, I had, I had a child that had that the problem was so big that even if you're sitting at the table, you're, you're, lo you're do, doing one task, you do one puzzle and you wrap it up, you do the next puzzle, if there will be an issue already, just switching from that small of the switch. Now, when you think about it, what about going from home to school? And what about going from school back to home? I mean, those are all big transitions. I mean, I've got, I've got an email before uh, from parents that want help and want to understand why it is that every time their children come off, um, come home from school. I mean, it's like they had the perfect day at school. The teacher didn't have any bad reports about them. But as soon as a child gets picked up, it seems like there's meltdown, there's tantrum, there's crying. You know, it has a whole lot to do with that transition of going from everybody at school to everybody at home or the people, the environment, going from classroom to the car. It's a big transition. And then going from the car back into the house is also a big deal for children who have sensory processing disorder. So transition and task switching is difficult for them. That's one of the symptoms. And another one is that they are very, very rigid and they're not flexible. Um, there are reasons for that also. I'm going to explain to you why. But basically, if you always have, I don't know, um, just take an example. I mean, it could be as small as you're pouring. You always put the cereal into the bowl and then you pour the milk. Well, if, and then another day, if you pour the milk first um, without the cereal in the bowl, that may not be okay for them. I mean, very, very small things. They can be very rigid about where I have to have it this way. No, we always do it this way. I always do it this way. And if something about it switches, it wouldn't be okay. It just, it just wouldn't be okay. Uh, for them, it's very hard to deal with, and they're not very flexible about going with the flow. I mean, they're they're stuck and fixated into no, but this is how we do it. No, but this is how it needs to be. If you're always doing your homework, um, I don't know at, at your homework spot, but this time you decide, okay, well, I'm gonna be cooking dinner while you're doing homework. Um, come sit over here next to me so I can help you. That, you know, that alone may be enough to throw them off because no, it, that's not how we do it, right? They're not being flexible and they're, they're very rigid. Um, they have quirks and this one varies for 
all children. I mean, not all children that have sensory processing disorder behave and act the same way and have exactly the same symptoms. Um, but what's different is they all may have um, each of their own little quirks. For example, some are, but, but the gist of it is that they're bothered by things that typical children, most average children are not bothered by. For example, putting on socks may be pretty difficult for some of the children that have sensory processing disorder. Um, when you put it on, the seam of the socks just bothers them so much and they feel that so much more than you and I do. Um, something about the clothing would just bother them so much more than it does to most to many most children maybe the way the zipper feels up here or the the way the hoodie goes on i mean dressing could be a big deal for some of them that where if they have a sensory processing disorder in the areas of tactical input then they just may have a problem getting dressed um, some of us some of the children have problem getting shampooed and have problem going to the water get problem taking a bath taking a shower the whole personal grooming and hygiene is terrible brushing teeth is is a terrible pain to them combing their hair is a terrible pain to them getting a haircut oh boy getting a haircut could actually be really i mean it actually feels like it hurts for some of them and those feelings are real i will explain to you why for some of them it could be being around places with a lot of texture on the wall or being around places where the wall is very busy uh full of artwork posters and things like that it, it, that could be too visually stimulating for them more than they can handle sometimes being around places that's very bright would be more than they can handle sometimes maybe um being around a big crowd loud noises being in social situations that one's pretty common many of the children that have sensory processing disorder have issues in in big crowds i mean that's one of the biggest thing is the environment is way too overstimulating and it's way too overwhelming for them um there are sound reasons for why it is that they feel that way um they generate some have food sensitivities if you have a picky eater they may have a texture problem but a tactile problem um the texture how it feels in their mouth it, they just can't process it at the same way you and I can some people and and even on the food sensitivity I mean I don't mean allergy sensitivity I mean the texture of the food the way it feels in their mouth some kids just can't handle pudding and oatmeal that kind of wish um, washy kind of a, a texture and some children can't handle the hard and crunchy and there are some children that can't handle the chewy meat so even if we're talking about uh how they are picky eaters they have sensitivity to food textures it varies from child to child what it is that they're sensitive about also uh, sensitivity to surrounding to people people coming and going and they typically also have trouble regulating their emotions what that means is if they get happy if they're excited they're happy something funny happens they will suddenly crack out loud and they will suddenly get pretty out of control they can go from zero to 16 no time because it they just they have trouble regulating uh when you talk about babies you know if they want i don't know if they want milk if they are uncomfortable they just cry and 
very, the crying gets escalated very, very fast. And then once they're crying, they're already crying. There's nothing they can do to calm themselves down unless an adult goes and does something to help them, right? Um, you got to do something to help them, to calm them down. You swallow them, you rock them, you give them pacifier, whatever it is that you do, sing them songs, talk to them, pick them up. You will soothe them because they don't have the ability to self soothe. Now, when they grow older, um, children, there are various level of self-regulation. So some, as you grow older and older, you start to develop a little more abilities to self-soothe, to self-regulate. And some children have more, some children have less of that ability. Well, children that have sensory processing disorder typically are very challenged in the, in the area of self-regulation, emotional regulation. If it's happy, if it's funny, if it's excited, um, they're out of control very quickly. I mean, they're happy, they're hyper, they're out of control very quickly. If something is uncomfortable, sad, upsetting, frustrating to them, even on the negative side of the emotion, uh, it's very quickly escalated, escalated, which is why they have very frequent and high intensity meltdowns and tantrums. They just can't seem to deal with it. And just think of the analogy as a little baby who was frustrated cannot get themselves back down to calm down. And that's pretty similar with children with sensory processing disorder. It's very difficult for them. Why are these things happening? Well, in the, in the root of sensory processing disorder is um, your system, the neurological system, not being not able to receive all of the senses as well as most average people. So for example, if you and I meet in a coffee shop and we're talking, you can, we can most likely focus on each other pretty well and, and disregard the rest of the noises, the rest of the movements, there are people coming, going out of the door. And then there's coffee grinding, there's coffee machine, there's people, there's a cash register, there's all kinds of noise. There tables all surrounded around us and people are talking, having all kinds of conversations everywhere. But you know what? You and I are still pretty focused on each other's discussion, right? We can typically engage with a person and we can still focus. The reason is because we have the ability to filter out all the rest of the senses. So the noises and the conversations that are going on around us that is not relevant to you and I, we will cut it out. Our system have no problem cut it out. I mean, some of us can even overhear a different conversation while we're hearing this conversation and not get distracted and be pretty much on track. But for children that have sensory processing disorder or even for adults, it's extremely difficult to focus because we cannot filter out everything. We basically, it's a problem of lack of priority. We cannot prioritize what's important. We cannot even filter. Everything comes in, everything comes in. I mean, they can hear even the heater. The heater just started. The air conditioner started. I mean, nobody else hears those things, or at least nobody else notices those things. For, but for somebody that has sensory processing disorder, it's right there. Man, I can't hear what you're saying. I can't focus on what you're saying. The, the machine is running. Somebody's flushing the toilet. Yeah, I know it's in a different room, but I hear it and it bothers me. You know, so that explains a little bit 
about the symptom of cannot focus, fidgeting, has trouble concentrating. I mean, can you imagine being able to concentrate if so much was coming to you and you just can't filter it out? I mean, even some of us adults, I mean, sometimes we go somewhere to work and sometimes we can't work there because it's too noisy. Um, that's how it feels to these children. And this goes on. I mean, the example I gave you was only one about the auditory, but this goes, so it has nothing to do with hearing. They can hear fine. In fact, they hear perfectly well. Uh, they will pass the hearing test. There's no problem with that. But the problem is the processing of auditory information that comes into the brain. Um, that That's just, there's a deciphering issue there that they cannot tell what's important, what's not important. They cannot screen out what they wish to not hear. Um, so that happens visually. Remember when I was telling you about the child that, that would go wild and that would start kicking, hitting people as soon as we turn on the TV, which we never did very often to begin with? I mean, it was it was just an overstimulation. I mean, the, the whole thing that's coming onto you. So for these children, I mean, you may not realize that you walk into a room full of art display, posters, um, I mean, even the furniture, different colors, so much stimulation to them. They still, they cannot focus. So number one is they can't focus on the task. But number two is they continue to sit there and remain in that environment. It starts building up. Well, where does the buildup go? That's what gets them on the edge. I mean, sometimes uh, when I hear and my personal experience from these parents is you just feel like you're constantly walking on eggshell. It's just like you almost can't touch your child. Anything will set them off. Even if you're doing nothing, your child will suddenly be set off by something that's happening. Well, um, it's not so suddenly set off. It's not so out of the blue. It's been there. They're sitting there. They're trying to cope, trying to cope, trying to cope, but it just become to be so much because their system can't take it and it's flooding out. So they get extremely agitated. And I have another example. I talk about this topic in great detail in my book, Outcast Outstanding. Um, this one that you can get from Amazon. It's Outcast Outstanding, the practical guide to understanding and addressing the drivers of a child's behavior. Again, because it looks at everything that's under the waterline. The behavior is just the tip of the iceberg. Well, what's causing that behavior? For you to continue to work on disciplining the behavior and addressing uh, the behavior, it's not going to be as effective as if you just look at what's under the waterline. For example, sensory processing is one of the issues that's underneath. And I, in my book, I explained um, another analogy for people to easier understand sensory processing disorder is um, think it's basically there's seven senses. I mean, it's tactile, uh, which is the way the what you're touching, proprioceptive, which is body awareness. Uh, there's vestibular, which is movements having to do with movements, tactile, the touching, auditory, the hearing, visual, what you see. Again, these these kids have 20/20 vision but it's the processing of what they're seeing and the interpretation of it. 
And then in visual, there's taste, there's smell. There are seven different areas that each child may have uh, a few that they have problems with. And some kids have problems, a little bit of problems everywhere um, in all seven. But so, for example, it's snowing. And this is what it feels like a day in the life. If it's snowing and you got a party going on at the house, you realize you forgot something pretty important for the party and you've got to go to the grocery store and get back in time before all the guests are here. So you go and now it's snowing. You have ears that can hear, but you have earmuffs over you. So you can't even hear what's outside. I mean, it's like um, the, the car may be honking at you and you don't know. And then it's like you got eyes that you can see, but for some reason your wipers aren't working. So there's snow all over your windshield. Gee, you have poor visibility. You can't see out through your windshield. How scary is that to be driving? You've got legs that work perfectly fine. Your gas paddle works, but for some reason, your legs are so numb, it feels as if you've been sitting in the chair for too long that your legs got numb and you suddenly get up, they're numb. So now you can't really uh, tell if you're actually really stepping on the back gas pedal or not, or are you stepping on the brake when you're supposed to be stepping on the gas pedal? I mean, can you imagine just the anxiety trying to drive to the gro grocery store with all of that? I mean, and there, there's just so much in terms of sensory that's blocking from them being able to function properly in a normal environment. Well, all the other drivers have clear vision. They I, they don't have earmuffs over them. Their legs are numb. They know what, what they're stepping on. They're not nervous. They're driving fine. I mean, they're singing songs. They're probably even texting on their phones, driving just fine. And you're the one that's just having such a hard time. It's like, well, you can't even switch your lane because you can't even see what lane you're in. And people are honking behind you. And you're thinking, well, are they honking at me? Not at me. And you try your best. And you're thinking, okay, let me get out of here. And you step on the gas pedal. Uh, let me pull over. You pull over and you run into the building. This is what it feels like for them. It's so anxious. Would you cry? Um, would you fret? Would you be stressed out if if now your spouse your spouse is calling on the phone? Where are you? The guests are here. Where is the I don't know dip or whatever it is that you're supposed to get from the store, right? Um, it's it feels to them. This is how it feels to them throughout their everyday living because of all of the sensory barriers. It's feeling overwhelming. It's feeling like they're not receiving information, critical information they need. For example, which lane am I in? You know, they, because of all of that, they're not receiving critical informations um, that needs to come in. So, um, so they're they're uh, in their brain. They're constantly sending out the signal. Where are you? Where are you where is um for for example the body awareness because they don't have any body awareness so the brain is constantly sending out signal to every part of the joints asking where are you where are you where are you and the signal is never making it back so that the brain knows what's going on and they can make a proper situational awareness uh, assessment uh, so the brain and the body can continue to function and can command what needs to happen none of this is happening really properly for these children so does that make sense when we come back to look at the symptoms of, hey, so why are they always so agitated? Well, they're driving in the situation we had just uh, simulated. That's why they're always so stressed out. That's why you're walking on eggshell because they are. 
and why do they have trouble dealing with crowded environments? Why can they not focus? Why can they not sit still? Why do they just have issues with almost everything in their lives? Well, think about it. That is the internal environment and pressure and stress that they're under. So I hope that explains for you what sensory processing disorder is and how does that impact your child, your child's performance, your child's behavior, your child's mood, and your child's everyday function. Next time, I'm going to explain what you can do about it. There are very specific things that you can do that will help tremendously for your children so they don't have to live in that kind of um, internal environment. And that's what I'm going to share with you next time. Now, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go to harmoniousclan.com and take the parent assessment quiz. Um, that, that it's a very short quiz that's only five minutes long and it helps you identify what type of parents you are parent and uh, what type of parenting style you have and that will help you really discover what you can do to better assist your child to be a happier and more effective parent and to be able to bring your child what's the best out of your child um, that's it for today Hi, this is Marco again. I just wanted to say thanks for listening to our Harmonious Clan podcast series, Sensory Processing Disorder Demystified. This was episode one of a two-episode series. In this episode, we talked about what sensory processing disorder is. So you should know more now about what sensory processing disorder is. You understand what the seven sensory integration areas are and how overstimulation or even understimulation in one or many of those areas can really impact your child's behavior. Louisa went through also... Uh, a real life analogy of what it would be like to have sensory processing disorder so that can help you better relate to what your child is really going through and experiencing and why they may be having these uh, these undesirable behaviors if they have sensory processing disorder. So we hope that you learned a lot. If you need more information, be sure to go to our download for this podcast. Just click the download button. That'll take you to our sensory processing disorder toolkit that will help you demystify SPD even further so that you can help your child thrive. In there, we also have an extra bonus. It's called our Sensory Processing Disorder Recipe Cards. And these are printable sheets that give characteristics of each of those seven sensory integration areas. And it gives you a list of what the characteristics are for each of those and what kinds of activities you can do with your child to help them better handle their sensory processing disorder and help them have better behaviors and help them thrive. So make sure you go check that out. And don't forget to check out episode two where Louisa will go into more details about what you can do to help your child that has sensory processing disorder. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to Harmonious Clan Podcast with Marco and Louisa. Learn more about Harmonious Clan at www.harmoniousclan.com for information on resources including books, educational podcasts, a supportive community, courses, and one-on-one consulting. Harmonious Clan, enabling you to nurture your child from outcast to outstanding, and your clan from chaos to harmony.